everyone, and welcome to this, in inverted commas, post-Premier League Independent Commission special podcast. This is the Results Business. It's the fifth Results Business podcast that we have done. My name is Roger Armstrong, and I'm joined by the ESC, who also nowadays goes by the pseudonym Paul Quinn. Paul, good afternoon. How are you? I'm surprisingly well, actually, Roger. Thank you. It's um, It's been a while since you and I spoke, and I think last time we spoke, I was... Uh, still sitting in a hospital bed, but um, thankfully those days are behind me and um, I'm very lucky to be in the position I'm in. Uh, And I have to say a great deal of thanks to all the medical people and everybody that's looked after me since. But um, everything aside, everything is uh, pretty tickety-boo. Excellent. Well, we won't talk about everything else then. We'll talk about (laughs) the non-tickety-boo side of life, which is Everton Football Club. And of course, it's an international break. And we can rely on Everton to give us plenty to talk about during an international break. Because uh, late last week, on Friday, in fact, um, the news came out that the Premier League had decided that through their independent commission to apply a sanction of 10 points with immediate effect to Everton Football Club for having breached their Um, Profit and uh, Sustainability Rules, PSR, uh, by a total of £19.5 million. Um, And that uh, has led to quite a considerable fallout in the national media, in social media, across many different sources of media. In fact, my mother-in-law thought that I might be rather upset. So if the news has reached her, then you can gather that the news has spread far and wide. A 10-point immediate deduction, a sporting sanction, the largest of its kind. Paul, what was your instant reaction when the news broke? I, I sort of, well, first of all, hello, Roger. I um, The idea that your mother-in-law was concerned about you being concerned about... Uh, it's the first time she's been concerned about me, to be fair, so I took it as something of a compliment. <laughs> well, there you go. Um what was my, my, my opinion of it when it first heard? I was expecting us to be found guilty. Yeah. Because uh, it was, well, you and I have talked about it for many, many years, what we thought about Everton, how, how Everton had been run in the, in, in the relevant period. So it was no surprise to find that that actually was the case. Uh, of course, I suppose what gets everybody is not not the guilt, but it's then whatever is the punishment. And I suppose that's what we need to talk about. I think how the decision was has come about. So some of the things that happened within the commission, Everson's approach, the commission's approach, the Premier League's approach, but then ultimately, I suppose you know it all all boils down to what is the impact of that decision in terms of. Um, the penalty that as it stands today and then what might happen if we go to appeal. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm just going to give a, a quick summary of, of, of the conclusions and, and some of the what, what we called aggravating factors and then some of the mitigations that Everton put forward uh, just to give us some context and then we can move on just, just, just to look at that decision. Um, so <clears throat> Everton uh, themselves by the end of the uh, hearing uh, did in fact admit that they had breached uh, the PSR limit by 9.7 million. And in fact, uh, uh, we were seen to have breached it by 19.5, according to the Commission. So they added another 9.8 million to what we'd previously claimed. They also said that the following aggravating factors, which should be taken into account with the uh, uh, in any sanction, was that basically we'd continue to overspending in spite of 
repeated warnings. Yes, we had engaged with the Premier League. We had sought their advice. We had worked with them collaboratively. They don't deny that. But actually, you know, it was up to us to manage our own finances properly. Uh, and the Premier League said that we were largely reckless in continuing to sign players in the face of their warnings. Uh, we'd taken a balanced risk, really, that um, in order to sign these players, it was going to help our chances of staying in the Premier League. Um, there's also a question of the extent of the breach. As I said, it was double to what we actually admitted, so almost 20% over the 105 million limit, uh, 19.5 million being the amount of the excess. There was also a suggestion or an assertion, really, that we had misled the Premier League about the interest on uh, the loans and, and whether those loans could be applied to costs of stadium or whether they just applied to working capital. Uh, there's no suggestion necessarily that that yeah, we, we, we had sought to mislead them in, in, in terms of uh, trying to be deliberately uh, covering things up. But, but, but actually, I think it reflects a sort of broader level of financial incompetence, which we might come on to. Uh, and we'd also talked to, they also suggested that we had misled the Premier League about an intention to sell a player. Player Y, three of those, the first three in terms of uh, ignoring the warnings, the extent of the breach and misleading the Premier League about stadium interest were agreed with and accepted by the Commission. Everton put forward six mitigating factors, only one of which was accepted, and that was that our profit and sustainability excesses and, in fact, our, our, our finances had shown uh, a positive trend, but that that positive trend had only really uh, reversed in, in 2023. The other things that we claimed as mitigation around COVID, around Ukraine, around the infamous Player X, this Player X who was arrested. I can't think which Everton player that might have been. Uh, and the post-planning permission interest, they were all declined. Um, and so, uh, and yes, in, in, in also they, they didn't uh, think that whilst we had um, cooperated with the Premier League, that some of our conduct had been uh, had not been in compliance with our obligation of good faith, which was uh, really quite a strongly worded uh, statement on that one. So at the end of the day, they came up with a 10-point sanction, 10-point sanction with immediate effect. Everton are appealing. Um, do we think that that's fair, Paul, a sporting sanction? Do you think that is fair in the light of all of this evidence that you've seen and you've summarised the mitigations, the aggravations, a 10-point penalty? Um you know, poor old Daishi, he's come in. I've never called him Daishi in my life. I don't think it sticks. Poor old Sean uh, and, and these players, nothing to do with any of them. Uh, nothing to do with uh, Colin Chong, essentially, the old uh, interim chief executive who was rolled out to take the flak. Um, it's almost like, you know, somebody was uh, out driving their car at 50 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone. They've sold the car. Um, and the person who now owns the car is 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 paying the fine. Is that is that a fair analogy? Do you think it's do you think it's uh, the right people are being are being punished here in the right way? I think it's a very good analogy. Um, so well 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 done on that, Roger. Uh, Thank you. No, on, on so many counts, the wrong people are going to be uh, penalised. Whatever that penalty might be, and we can, we can talk about that in a few seconds, but. Clearly, the people who are responsible for the mess that the club found itself in uh, at an executive and board level uh, are largely no longer at the club. There may be one or two executives who are still knocking around, but the, the main players certainly uh, are no, no longer at the club. Um, so that's a, you know, that's a question in itself. That uh, Is it right that the club gets penalised for the actions of those individuals and indeed the owner. The owner obviously is still involved with the club, still the shareholder, but he's looking to sell his shareholding as quickly as possible 
all the mm. way to a totally unsuitable um, new new owner. But that's a story for a different day. Um, and and of course, who are the people that are going to suffer from whatever penalty is finally determined? It's the people at the club. It's the employees. It's the players. It's the manager. I. I I feel as if you're warming to Sean Dice a little bit, which surprised me, but there we go. Well, I'm warming to him because I couldn't think of a better manager in a situation like this. You know, I I, I think uh, I'm not a lover of some of his style of play, and, and I think I think some of his word salad press conferences are a little hard to digest. But um, given we have a 10-point deduction, given we're up against it, and given what's needed is a siege mentality, he's the perfect man to deliver that. And... and um, I think he's the right man to lead us through the rest of this season. Undoubtedly, I think he's the right character, and I think he's got those those sort of us against the world attributes, um, which won't really get us far in the long term, but which should hopefully, even with a ten point deduction, let's hope that's all we get, and there's no further sanctions should we enter administration. We might touch on that later, but I think with a ten point deduction, we can still stay up because Luke Sheffield United and Burnley are so appalling, and none of them will get any more than twenty five points. So. Um, I think I think we'll be safe still with a ten point deduction, and and Dyche is the right man to guide us through it. I mean, l- let me let me just ask you then. You know, this is a period, the period here ending twenty one twenty two. You and I have both been and are still directors of companies, and they come with obligations, and you know you have duties to discharge. Um, what I don't understand is why those directors who were directors of the company at the time weren't allowed to give evidence or chose not to give evidence um, at the independent commission. I'm talking specifically about the former finance director and the former chief executive. Can you offer any light on that? Uh, no, not really. Um, I, I suppose the commission and, and the club would argue that it, it was it was the club that was um, facing the charges as against the, the individuals. But why uh everton didn't uh possibly they did but why everton didn't seek for those individuals to be part of their representations and i don't know if uh well i mean obviously denise barrett baxendale and grant ingles had left the business and people who were employees uh, sorry people who were directors at the time have also left the business you know, many, many years previously, people like Sasha Rajanstev, for example, difficult, mm. difficult to get him um, to appear, obviously, given his role at, at Burnley. But um, why there was, particularly for um, Barrett Baxendale and, and for uh, Grant Ingalls, why there was no uh, requirement for them to be there and why there was no contractual obligation given that they left the club and obviously agreed uh, settlement terms with the club um, and when they left the club the club already knew that this hearing was about to take place so they might not That's have known right. the exact exact date but they'd already received the um the, the the complaint as it's as it's as it's deemed from the premier league and they'd already in fact submitted uh, their answers to that complaint why nobody thought it necessary to say to these people whenever the day is that we appear in front of the commission, you're going to be there and you're going to be explaining what you did. Um, Who who knows? Uh, One can only think that it would have strengthened our case had they been there. But um, well, well, I think I think it must have done because, you know, when I look at some of the mitigations that we put forward and particularly with the planning 
uh, interest, you know, whether the interest on those loans was for the stadium or not and pre, pre or post planning. Um, I, I don't want to get involved in a, you know, a, a debate on the intricacies of accounting, but, but just try and summarise that for us, because that looks to me like a bit of an error by whoever was in charge of the finance function at the time. Um, that those loans weren't understood and weren't allocated properly. And, you know, the, the, those commercial loans were, were were clearly not for the stadium and therefore couldn't be allocated against it. Is that right? But it, it just it just seems like a, a massive example of um, extreme corporate carelessness. Uh, from, Is from, it carelessness or incompetence? Uh, it depends what side of the bed you got out of in the morning. If you're feeling generous, it's carelessness. If... Uh, if, if you're not feeling quite so generous, it, it's incompetence. But there are so it's, it's pretty careless think. to cost the club ten points, isn't it? Because that's really where we've lost them. That's really where we've lost the debate, isn't it? On on, on that on that interest, that's really the decisive factor here. Well, it, it is in the way that the um, the case has gone about. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we, we we've lost the case because we spent too much money on players. We didn't yeah. recover enough money on the players that we tried to sell because we couldn't sell them. And also, ultimately, our footballing performance was so poor that we lost out on uh, revenue that we might normally have expected to have received as a reward for better performance. They are the three big contributing factors to this. The fact yes. that we the fact that we then uh, compounded those footballing errors with not being able to get our financial affairs in the right order uh, with yeah. regards to the stadium. So making payments, and I, I know it was difficult given that we were going into what was still a water-filled dock when we started spending money, but you know, going into situations whereby we were spending money before we uh, got the, the, the planning approval, and then that money couldn't then be uh, capitalized because it had already been spent and therefore was charged to the profit and loss account. And then the treatment of the, of the loans, whereby it was very self-evident that the commercial loans, the loans that attracted interest from rights and media funding and from uh, Metro Bank, were loans to assist the club in terms of its working capital. What does that exactly. mean? What effectively the money that the club needs to operate on a day-to-day -day basis, those loans were meeting the shortfall in that. The the big money that Fahad Mashiri put in was clearly uh, money intended for building the stadium. Otherwise, yeah. I don't, otherwise that money would never have appeared in, yeah. in the club. And it's quite interesting that the club actually tried to reverse that argument by saying, well, you know, um, we, we, we took out these commercial loans and these commercial loans we then applied to, to the stadium when the loan agreement said that that wasn't the case. And then we said, well, the interest payments therefore apply to the stadium because the loans apply to the stadium. But we don't want to capitalise those interests without getting too technical. We don't want to cap capitalise those loan payments because that then makes it more difficult to get the long-term loan that we're seeking all of these factors just demonstrate to me that uh, they're either careless or incompetent, depending upon which, which, which way you want to take it. And, and they, yep. they uh, just compounded the, the footballing errors that the club made. At the end of the day, we're a football club. We're not, we're not a property company or anything else. The fact is that we tried to do both. We did both very, very badly. Okay, we've got a brand yep. new shiny stadium that's coming out of the ground. 
and you know will be completed in in around 12 months but the way that we went about uh, financing the stadium how we actually managed the finances with the, the, the monies that we received commercially and from Mashiri just added to the, the mess that we were making on the pitch in terms of player selection, player recruitment, who we could sell, what manager we had, who was the director of football, uh, Bill Kenwright uh, negotiating um, player sales uh, in, in isolation. You know, all of those things that we talk, we've, we've talked about for many, many years, going back to Everton Business Matters days and uh, many other variants of that since. They, they just all have come together and proved that uh, we ran the club in a totally non-compliant manner. So yep. even though we went to the, the Premier League and we appeared to the Premier League that we were willing participants in a set of actions that would uh, reduce the prospect or reduce the probability of us not being compliant. Um, to a degree, having agreed what, 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 what that programme might be, we then decided to ignore the programme. So the Premier League quite rightly turned around and said, well, it's, whilst, yes, you've got to come to us and in a sense, we've got to agree that you can buy a player. And it's not our job to say, yes, you can buy a player. So yes, you can come to us and tell us, but actually at the end of the day, you've got to manage your own affairs. And if having managed your own affairs, you're compliant, great. But if you're not compliant, then we as the Premier League have to do what we have to do, which is keep you in adherence with the rules. And if you break the rules, then we have to do something uh, about the fact that you've broken the rules. And and that ultimately is 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 where we've got to. Yep. And, I mean, it's obvious, isn't it, that the time. overspending, sorry, um, it, it's obvious that a lot of the overspending on players and the, some of the knee-jerk decisions, managers, directors of football and those appointments were Mashiri's and he's responsible for, you know, a large, large part of the overspend. But but what you've highlighted there is is a is a lack of financial management skills uh, in terms of understanding about stadium financing, capital financing, uh, and also any kind of tracking of our performance within the the, the PSR. Uh, what one of the things I found interesting on the you know the footballing side is that you know the the Premier League said that you know it was the Commission rather said that you know that. Those, those league places, our performance, our on-pitch performance, and we've said this all along, that on the pitch and off the pitch are ex inextricably linked. But finishing 16th as against a projected of 6th, who on earth projected 6th for any Everton team under the Mashiri uh, years must be really uh, slightly detached from reality. That caused a loss of expected income of £21 million. Pounds. So, so again, we could have done all of this and still messed it up. But if we'd have performed better on the pitch and, and finished higher up the league, this, this wouldn't have been a problem. So, it, you know, we are responsible. We are culpable. We have admitted our, our guilt. Um, but let's come back to the sanction, the sanction of 10 points, and now we're appealing. And there's been a lot of noise. You know, we do feel picked on. You know, that's part of, sometimes part of the Everton psyche. You know, the world's against us, and we, we can use it to our favour, and, you know, the big clubs get all the decisions. We know all of those arguments, but... What is the value in the appeal, Paul, and what likelihood do you think? What, what's the best approach with the appeal? Is it a series of sort of procedural things like we were talking about before? You know, oh, well, was the speed camera truly reliant? You know, and did you take an appropriate picture at the right time? And are we just skirting around the edges? And are we likely to see any reduction whatsoever 
in the punishment or in the time, as it were, given that the crime is clear and admitted? I think there's so much to work on in terms of uh, Everton's poor approach to defending its position, but also yeah. the Premier League's poor attempt to bring Everton to book, but also yeah. the com how the commission has gone about things as well, because I think I'll, I'll talk specifically about the, um, the penalty in a minute or the sanction. Yeah. Before you do that, can we just confirm we've only got 14 days since last Friday to get an appeal in as well? We've yeah. got to get our act together yeah. PDQ, right? So yeah. 14 days. So a week on Friday, we have to get the appeal yeah. in. And, and, and we're in the process of doing that. Yeah. So that's... You know, that, that, that's Who's the we? Who's the we? Do we know? Sorry, Everson Football Club and its, and its legal advisors are in the process of, do, of doing that. But are they the same people that put the pretty poor case together in the first place? At this moment in time, yeah. Yeah, because that case, as you've said, is pretty weak, you know, and some of our mitigation cases were pretty weak and pretty poorly presented. So what chance we make a better job of the appeal and where should we focus our energies? Well, I, th I think it depends what, what if it's the same people making the same arguments then clearly it's not, not going to get very far. If it's different people making better arguments, either on the same sort of substantive, substantive issues or on mm -hmm. new issues, which are brought in because of their expertise, their experience elsewhere, then obviously that you know opens up a whole new area in terms of uh, mitigation, in terms of reducing. This has to be ultimately now about loss limitation. So, so give me some of those arguments then. If the club approached you um, and asked you to help them, where would you? Which arguments would you make procedurally or otherwise? You know, I've heard talk about the guy was the one of the members of the commission was the FD at, at West Ham uh, during the Carlos Tevez affair. Um, you know, uh, so is there impartiality? Is there uh, you know pre pre bias there within within the commission? Where would you advise the club to make these new arguments? Several areas. So one is the the composition of of the commission. So who who are the individuals involved? Uh, are they truly independent of the Premier League and, importantly, member clubs? So, mm -hmm. if you if you if you look at the remit for the independent commission, it has to not only be independence of the Premier League, but also independence of member clubs. So, do any of these people have an association, uh, recent, current, or otherwise, uh, with other me other members of the Premier League? The answer to that is clearly yes. So what, why and how is it appropriate that those people have been able to um, be judge and jury on, on, mm -hmm. on Everton's case? So I think, I think that's, that's one area. I think secondly, more widely, the, the commission ultimately should be an independent arbiter of the two cases, the case for the, for, for the defence and, and, and the case that the Premier League put forward. Can anybody objectively really say, Evertonian or otherwise, that this has been truly independent from the point of view that they've stood there and sat in, or rather they've sat there in the middle and they've listened to both cases and they've reached a conclusion based on what they've heard from both sides. I don't think that's the case. This looks to me like They've come into this with the Premier League's case there in front of them, and they're asking Everton to disprove the Premier League's case. 
as against listening to the merits of both. So I think there's an, argu there's an argument to be had about that as to whether or not the, the commission starts from right from the middle or whether it starts in favouring uh, the claimant, which is the Premier League, and then asking the defendant to justify its position. That shouldn't really be how, how, how this is dealt with. It should be both cases have equal weighting and then you, you take the merits of both cases. I don't think that necessarily was the case. And then I think I think I think we have to ignore the, the mitigating factors that Everton put forward because quite clearly that, that they're they're weak and they didn't um, sort of hold any any weight at all with yeah. the commission. The, the one is as you say that that did carry any weight. The sort of improving trend uh, has no relevance to the Premier League. It has a relevance if you're in the English Football League, but it has no relevance to the Premier League because it's not part of. Premier League rules. There's no provision no. within the Premier League rules um, to take into account an improving trend. Now, if if you want to argue that the uh, as an independent commission they can make up their own rules, that's an entirely separate argument. But that doesn't seem to be the case because certainly when we get on to talking about the penalty or the sanction, it seems like they, again they're influenced by. You know, what the Premier League might or might not have thought was appropriate, um, and, and I don't think you can have I don't think you can have both arguments. You either have one, one, one or, or the other. So, yeah. so there's that, and then when you get to the um, the sanction and the justification for the sanction, this is where uh, an appropriate legal team and an appropriate argument just blows the Commission's decisions apart. Yes. They, they look at it and they say. On what grounds can you possibly say that only a sporting sanction was appropriate? If you're using the grounds that a penalty, um, a financial penalty is inappropriate because you got wealthy owners, there are so many um, case histories in both English football, but all, particularly in European football to point to, whereby that's never taken in, in, into consideration. So, so you can look at, you know, clubs like Manchester City when they've been penalised in UEFA, financial penalties, not sport, not sporting penalties, and their owners are obviously far wealthier than ours. If you look at the treatment of the six clubs that broke away and tried to create the European Super League, yeah, they got a financial penalty. Are you, are you really telling me that each of their owners are in a different sort of financial stratosphere to fire yeah, with, with the European Super League, I guess, really emotive subject, you know, and they were disgraceful. They should have been kicked out of the Premier League and they should have had to start back again. But, but, but you know, that wasn't a that wasn't financial um, breach, was it? No, no, but it was a breach of a different type. It, it was, it was a, I mean, it was a, ultimately it was a breach of utmost good faith rule and, um, uh, rule B15, one of the rules that Everton are deemed to, to have broken, uh, that is the ultimate breach of utmost good faith, mm -hmm. plotting against your fellow members in such a yeah. way as one, to enrich yourself, which is you know, the, the principle behind the European Super League, but in doing so, um, actually uh, damaging all the other members of the Premier League, and not only the other members of the Premier League, but damaging 
as a result. No, I'm not, def- I'm not defending them. What I'm, no, I, what I, I, I'm I, saying is they got a financial penalty for it. And, and, and in this case, we've got a financial breach being treated with a sporting sanction. So, so, so you know, just because it's only a financial brief can have a financial sanction, that wasn't a financial san- a breach, which got a financial sanction. So it, it doesn't necessarily follow no, that. No, what the, what the commission said was, because your owner is so wealthy, yes, Farhad Mashiri ridiculously said in front of the commission, I, I am a very wealthy man by anybody's standards, mm. ludicrously said yeah. that. And they said, well, as a result of that, a financial um, penalty is, is not appropriate because it's ultimately it's not really a penalty. That's that that was that was their argument. But that, the penalty wouldn't have been on Farhad Bashiri; it would have been on Everton Football Club, right? Uh, yeah, but again, that's one of the, but that's one of the flaws. Of course, it is um, in the in the argument because I'm is, not aware of any non-wealthy football club owners in the Premier League. Are you? No, although Fahad Mishiri may, may not be as wealthy as he used to be. Correct. <laughs> Partly as a result of owning Everton Football Club. But, but this is this is the point that, you know, where do you, you, you asked me, where do you start the appeal? Well, yeah. possibly mitigating, but not really. So accept the guilt, uh, present the case that all the people who are responsible for, for the guilt are no longer in the business and that the business has changed uh, radically. You know, we're, not, we're now responsible, we're now compliant, blah, 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 assuming that we are. Uh, and indeed that our owner is looking to sell the business to somebody else. So you know, his involvement in our culpability will no longer be the case. It will no longer be the case. He, he's not going to be part, party to that. Well, and let me then, jump in and ask you. Let well, me jump in and ask you because I saw today an article saying that people think we're in breach right now. That that, that twenty two twenty three will have been in breach as well. It's it's, it's, it's quite possible. I, I haven't. Um, I haven't done. So that f- doesn't help the case that we're better now. We're over it. The baddies have gone, and we're we're, we're running the ship properly. No, but we're still not, in breach for the that, last three that, years. We're, 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 we're talking about an appeal here that has, as you said, has to take place within a very short period of time. Yeah, okay. You, you can't yeah. rely upon an argument about what's going to happen in the future. Uh, Everton's yeah. culpability today hasn't been proven. So Everton are completely justified in saying, "Well, the trend is still downwards. You know, our wages yeah. are twenty five percent lower." Uh, on yep. our net spend, not that we like using the word net spend, but our net spend is so much lower, blah, 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 blah. Everything is moving in the right direction. I think we're quite justified in saying that. And the okay. fact that there's no uh, new charges at this point is, is, is not relevant. Okay. Okay. So what you're saying is we focus on some procedural issues, the composition of the of the commission, uh, whether they were prejudged and whether, you know, things like the Premier League briefing people about 12 points beforehand made them truly independent, truly impartial, whether they judged the case on its merits and, and then how on earth they came up with the sanction and how on earth they decided that only a sporting sanction would be sufficient. Those are basically the main areas you would focus on, right? Yeah. And, and another aspect of, of, of the... Uh, Commission's decisions was that a sporting sanction was appropriate because there, there was a effectively a sporting advantage, and, and this was established in a case involving the, the English Football League and Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday, where in that case there was a clear sporting advantage, and therefore it was an appropriate um, punishment to have a, a sport a sporting sanction. 
That might have been the last time Sheffield Wednesday ever had a sporting advantage. Actually. Well, they've pretty much made sure that they hadn't had one since. No, quite. <laughs> including their owners and including their, their, their own directors. Um, it wasn't necessarily established that Everton had a sporting advantage from any mm. of this. And even if you accepted that there had been a sporting advantage, some people are saying that there was no sporting advantage. But even if you accepted that there was a sporting advantage, um, within the Commission's finding, it talks about the fact that this has not been, uh, you can't quantify what the sporting advantage is. So you can hardly use sporting advantage as a reason for um, sporting sanction if you can't quantify what the advantage is. Because but, then... and, and also that sporting advantage was gained historically. So, so you know, surely if they're going to follow that that argument, it should be actually you're having 10 points taken off you for season 21-22, which now sees you relegated with immediate effect. And uh, there'll only be two two sides going down well, along, I think, alongside I, you. I think the way I would argue sporting advantage is I would say you have to look at the performance. If, if you, the Premier League, if you, the Commission, are saying we derive sporting advantage um, from our actions, uh, prove it. And how do you prove that? Well, you demonstrate to us that our performance was better during the period in question than it was prior to the, the period in question. And if it wasn't, then what exactly is the, is the advantage? Well, you could make a very compelling case. How on earth, how much money did we spend slash waste on Rafael Benitez and his staff? And um, I don't recall that giving us any sporting advantage whatsoever before we've even gotten to um, not so super frank. Um, you know, so <laughs> we, we managed to spend an awful lot of money on an awful lot of poor players and an awful lot of poor coaches. Um, so th there's a very good case that we gained no sporting advantage to us. We did waste an awful lot of money. Yeah, the, decision made, the decisions that we made created a sporting disadvantage. Correct. As an, against an advantage. So to get back to the, to the point about yes. is a sporting sanction the appropriate penalty? Um, there's, there's case law to demonstrate that uh, a financial penalty is the appropriate penalty in almost all circumstances. There's certainly no case law that suggests that just because you've got a wealthy owner, um, yeah. you therefore have to have at all. No, a, no. a sporting sanction. And ultimately, if the reason for having a sporting sanction is that we had a sporting advantage, um, will demonstrate to us where the sporting advantage occurred because it's not immediately obvious to anybody, particularly Everton football club supporters, where the sporting yeah, advantage was. So yeah. I, think, I think you've got a whole raft of things to go at in terms of um, reducing uh, the penalty because the point I was making slightly earlier, which I didn't quite finish, was this is not about uh, absolution. We're not looking to absolve ourselves from what we did. What we're looking to do here is loss limitation. Yeah. And it, it is loss limitation on the basis that the, uh, either the commission or either or both uh, acted inappropriately, was constructed inappropriately, or ultimately reached the wrong decisions. And that, that is where we have to go in terms of the appeal. 
Okay, so so let me spin it back then. Um, we've talked about Everton uh, being either careless or or, or or incompetent, but but in no way deliberately trying to mislead. Um, let me ask you about the Premier League and these you know this view across the fan base, pretty widely held that let's say, isn't it? The word used is corruption. Um, do you think the Premier League have got it in for us, and as a result of that, they treated us unfairly? I, I understand. And do you think if we even make that case and push that case too much, I mean, the fans will do what the fans will do. We know it's going to be absolutely riotous and uh, goodison on uh, on Sunday, and probably for uh, you know the rest of the home games and and you know banners and things and GoFundMe pages that have raised huge amounts of money, which show the ongoing commitment, support, unswerving support of the fans towards the manager and the players, um, which is unparalleled and, and cannot ever be questioned. But do you honestly, Paul, think that this is a deliberate attempt to treat Everton unfairly compared to other clubs? No, I, no, no, I don't. I, I think there's a huge amount of merit in the fan base making that claim. And making, Absolutely. Agree. And, yep. and, and making, for two reasons. One, it provides a sort of a backbone to the argument that it's us against the world. Um, And it's PR. You know, those pictures will go all around the world. We're lucky that we're on Super Sunday, Super Sunday. But Uh, your new best mate, Sean Dyche, will... uh, Yeah, yeah. Coming around for dinner later, actually. Coming around (laughs) for dinner. We're going to have a word salad. Does he know that you're you're vegan? (laughs) Uh, I think he's a vegan, actually. On, is a, he? on a Tuesday, on a Tuesday, I think. I oh know Mon- it's Monday, Monday, isn't it? Yeah, yeah he, he'll see, be all right. I've got a nice nut roast. We're finding out so fine. much about the, your relationship with Sean. You'll be calling him Sean soon. Yeah. Um. Sorry. No, <laughs> I just, I just call him the gaffer. Oh, the gaffer. When he comes round, right, the gaffer. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. We're like, we've gone miles off off topic here. We're, 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 what, what, what was I trying to say? Um, I was asking you, uh, well, we were saying that, you know, the no. fans and, and, and the backdrop of, you know, the fans rising up and, 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 and having this sort of mass protest, which you can see happening on Sunday and in future home games, creates a backdrop and will, you know, create PR, uh, which the Premier League won't like and won't want. Yeah, and, 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 you know, when Henry Winter is, Henry Winter even appears to be on our side, then, you know, there's a groundswell of opinion which we can use in our favour, surely. Yeah, and I think the Premier League have have to be um, very careful in terms of their positioning in, in all of this. One, it doesn't look good if uh, forty thousand Evertonians playing Manchester United, um, or rather watching Everton play Manchester United, are all scream, <laughs> screaming corruption. <laughs> I think we might get a draw if it was forty thousand against eleven. I'd back <laughs> us not to lose. Yeah, just. <laughs> Just fill the box. <laughs> That's right. Um, a bit long to the big man. Yeah. Uh, sorry. It, it obviously, you know, it's going. This game is going to go all, all around the world, and particularly now in, in, you know, with, with, this, with in the context of this, of this decision. So, um, it's very important. It's going to be very important for the Premier League that they try and maintain some control of the messaging that's going out there. But it's going to be impossible in front of 40,000 40, people. I think also seven to, two, seven to two an Everton red card. Get your money on it now. I did it for the derby and it worked. Do it again. That's just my tip. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Never miss an opportunity to make a couple of quid. Right. Um, I think. I think. I think the, the other. The other point is that the actual other members of the Premier League 
must be looking at this. So if we're talking about what the Premier League's um, reaction to all of this should be, they should be very um, aware of what the response of the other members of the Premier League is going to be to this, because there are at least five, six, possibly seven clubs, all of whom may face similar charges at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. Manchester City, Chelsea, Manchester United, and then some, some of the uh, so-called smaller clubs um, mm -hmm. are all going to face charges or all potentially going to face charges of a similar nature in the future. So what is the what is going to be the appropriate penalty for a Manchester City or for a Chelsea who, uh, on the face of it, not proven, but uh, have committed far more offences than Everton have? Yeah. You see, the Premier League's a funny thing because it's owned by its members, supposedly, isn't it? And I wanted to talk about this. It's a potential sort of ganging up on one or other because there's this other sort of elephant in the room about other clubs or one club being able to sue Everton because they went down when we should have had a 10-point penalty or we broke the rules. What, you know, what, what do you think of that? There's a, there's, a, there's a case even that Everton could be the pariah of the group and everybody, you know, the other clubs want Everton to be made an example of. Uh, how do you balance that with some of them also being potentially in danger of sanctions themselves? And what are the likelihoods of, whether it's Burnley or whoever it is, taking out a, a case against Everton for 100 million a disadvantage? Well, I think I think it's I think it's been established that, and actually established prior to the commission's hearing by one of the members of the commission, uh, that there is that there is a case for yeah. Premier League clubs to um, claim compensation from other Premier League clubs for for rule breaking. So, uh, can we can we uh, can other clubs seek compensation from Everton for what we've now been found guilty of? Uh, the answer to that is unequivocally yes, um, but I think I think the game and I think the Premier League and the members of the Premier League have to take a step back here and say if we're all fighting like ferrets in a sack yeah. with each other, what damage are we doing to the game of football? And more pertinently, what damage are we doing to the Premier League, which is, you know, by any anybody's imagination a massively successful product that is sold around the world and has enriched almost everybody that's been involved in it. Are we, are we really saying that we cannot conduct ourselves in an appropriate manner and people behave appropriately in such a way that we main, maintain the advantage that the Premier League has over the rest of the domestic, you know, rest of the leagues, uh, domestic leagues internationally? Because there's a grave danger here of, in as you say, um, you know, just finding the pariah and everybody attacking attacking the pariah. That we actually, yeah. to mix metaphors, we kill the goose that lays the golden egg. Yeah, there and has I think to also be some there was, responsibility um, for this, Roger. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I agree, and and I think there was a slightly there was a good there was a good summary. I don't know if you saw it. Levin's or Levin's solicitors put out a good um, thread uh, day before yesterday. I think pointing out that the whole Sheffield United West Ham thing, where they managed to get a little bit of money out of it, was was you know specific was was much much clearer case in that Carlos Tevez scored the bloody goal that kept them up. 
or sent Sheffield United down. So there's this direct correlation that sporting a sporting advantage was gained, whereas, you know, if anybody sued Everton, I would say we tried our very best to go down because, look, we hired these appalling managers and these dreadful players. And if, if those pesky fans hadn't got behind us, we really would have gone down, you know, because we all know it was the fans that kept Everton up as opposed to the uh, the, the, the coaches or, 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 or to, to an extent, the fans played a major a major part. So... Um, it's difficult to draw a direct correlation whilst there's a principle there to see a direct correlation that a, that a, another club suffered a sporting disadvantage because we got an advantage when that advantage is pretty invisible, really. Yeah, I, I, I'm obviously not a lawyer, but um, I think I think there's probably an argument for Leeds United to say, for example, well, we had to sell certain players and we sold those players at less value than we would have done otherwise. True. Um, yeah. Because we had, because we were relegated, mm. just mm. just as 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 an example. So, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily dismiss completely. Or the, they didn't the, buy a super goal scorer in the window because in order to do that, what they would have been in breach. You know yes. that they abided by the rules. You yeah. could say that. I so yeah. so there yeah. is the we were compliant and and we uh, had we because we were compliant perversely. Um, Financially, we didn't perform as well as we might have done. Yeah. So there yeah. is the, the, there is that argument, but I'll go back to the to the point about there's a wider responsibility here, and that mm -hmm. is to the game, and even though I hate to say this, uh, to the Premier League itself as a as a collective, that if we all want this to continue to be the amazing, um, at least money generating success that it is. Uh, everybody has to sort of start acting a bit more responsibly. Okay, but the counter-argument to that is that the Premier League would like shot of Everton because we're a bunch of troublemakers, really. I, I, you know, I, we've, been, we've been poorly run, we've broken the rules, and, and the fans don't like the Premier League. And so, you know, are they not, is there not a case that they're doing everything to get us the hell out of the league? Or is the case that we're a heritage brand, as people have told me over the weekend? People other than my mother-in-law have told me that we're a heritage brand and they feel really sorry for us. We've been unfairly treated and the Premier League would be nothing without Everton and uh, Goodison Park soon to be Bramley Moore Dock in it. So, so you know, where, where, do you, where do you sit on that? I think she was calling you a heritage brand, actually. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> sorry. I don't, I don't have a brand. Right. Fair enough. Um... Heritage tomatoes, perhaps. But uh, no, no heritage no. brand here. Sorry, we, we keep distracting each other. Um, no, do they I, want rid of us? Do the no, Premier League I, no. want rid of troublemakers like Everton? No. And do they want happy clubs to come up who will no. abide by the rules and let the big six be the big six and just be happy to be there? No, because I, I, I think Everton enriches the Premier League story. And, and this is not me talking just as an Evertonian. I think objectively... Anybody looking at the Premier League, ask themselves, particularly when we've got a brand new stadium just on, on the horizon, um, is the Premier League a better product with Everton in it or not in it? And most people objectively, most non-Evertonians objectively would have to say that it is a better product with Everton in it. Well, it's been a pretty easy easy six points for quite a few clubs. So you know. No, I, I mean, clearly... <laughs> Yeah, clearly from a performance point of view, yes, because all the top six here is an easy six six points or or, or whatever. But on a serious note, no, do, I get it. I get do it. we add value to the brand of the Premier League around the world? Um, yes, we absolutely do. Now, 
the club has been appalling at exploiting that brand value, but that's a separate story. And the Premier yeah. League haven't been very clever at exploiting that brand value because they've always talked about the new shiny toys in, mm-hmm. in, uh, as against, you know, where the real value lies, which is, you know, established clubs like, like, like Everton. So, um, it just seems nonsensical to me that people would want Everton to be out of the Premier League. Although I accept entirely uh, the merit of the case for fans to argue that. Okay. Right. So we've got an appeal. The appeal's got to be in a week on Friday. You've told us where it should be. Um, and and what happens next for, for Everton? Because we've still got this other cloud hanging over us because we're up for sale. Um, you know, we don't have time now to go into, um, you know, the, the, what to expect when this decision comes out of the combination of the Premier League and the uh, Financial Conduct Authority. But does this commission judgment uh, and the potential hearing hanging over us, does this have any bearing, direct or indirect, on the potential acquisition and potential suitability of 777 or attractiveness of Everton Football Club to other potential buyers should 777 be deemed inappropriate or unfit? I think it it, 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 massive, it will massively impact whatever um, rewards Fard Mishiri is going to get for the sale of his shares. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's not going to get an awful lot whether we stay, you know, if we do stay in the Premier League, um, but he's going to get an awful lot less if, if we happen to be relegated as a result of this um, commission. And of course, uh, if there was to be compensation claims and those compensation claims were uh, approved, then that would impact him as well. I have to say that the you know, the newspaper reports is three hundred million pounds worth of um, compensation to be paid to three or four clubs is is just nonsensical. You know, yeah, agreed. There, there, there might be some compensation, as we talked about a few minutes ago, uh, on, on specifics, but it's it's not going to be three hundred million. No, no. Um, so, if you were to if you were to look into your crystal ball um, or, or offer odds on on um, two things, mm-hmm. um, one Everton staying in the Premier League this season. There's actually three things. One Everton staying in the Premier League this season. Um, yes or no? Yes, one hundred percent. Okay. Um, and uh, appeal outcome leading to a reduction in points. Yes or no? Uh, yes. And if yes, by how many? I wouldn't like to put a number on it because I actually think uh, the appeal should be uh, a non-sporting sanction. Okay. 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 That's good. And finally, change of ownership in Everton Football Club before the end of the season. Uh, that might happen, but it's not going to be 7 7 7. Okay. You always like to have one more thing, Paul. I think we've managed to distill the uh, 41-page document and the commission and the appeal and the the aggravations and the mitigations into probably just under an hour. But what would your concluding thoughts be on this uh, this this really shocking turn of events for the football club and, and where we go from here? Okay, I think I think my one more thing is that uh, Evertonians and all football fans across English football and elsewhere have to realise that ultimately we, we are, we're, we're the custodians of our football clubs. We are the people who care most. We are the people who represent and we're ultimately we're the people who will fight hardest um, 
to maintain and look after our football clubs and keep them clear of dangers that arise from poor ownership and poor governance. And I think when people sit back and look at what Everton fans have done in recent years, yes, we've campaigned against the board because it's now proven that the board um, were incompetent. We campaigned against the owner, despite the millions, the hundreds of millions that he put into the club, an incompetent owner. And I think the lesson is, is that fans know their clubs best and they know football better almost than anybody else. Uh, maybe not tactics, maybe not team selections, as uh, you know, that's an entirely different matter. But in terms of their football club, what their football club represents, football fans know that best of all. And it's incumbent upon us all as football fans, as fans of Everton Football Club, to maintain that custodian relationship and to strengthen that custodian relationship going forward. And we should never be scared of calling the boards of directors and the owners of our football clubs um, to book. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Mr. Paul Quinn, a.k.a. The Esk, for your time this afternoon. For my part, I would simply say what Everton fans always say, what used to be our cup final song back in the day when we were in cup finals, um, is um, whatever happens, we shall not be moved. So um, going forward, as it always has been, and as it always will be, Everton fans will be all together now. And until the next time on the Results Business Podcast, it's up the toffees. <laughs>